And a very good evening to you and welcome to People of Note with me, Richard Koch. Great to have your company, as always. In this program, I talk to someone who is a person of note and we listen to music of their choice. And my guest in tonight's program is a very well-known singer, although you may not have heard of her. Her name is Elsa van den Heerfer. She's a South African who's been living abroad for some many years now, and she's been back here to sing at Starlight Classics, and it's been great to have her back. Welcome. Thank you, Richard. It's very nice to have you back. And I have to say that I, the last time I saw you and worked with you was some many years ago when you were just sweet 16 or <laughs> sweet 17, whatever you were. And now you're a well, and you were just sort of at the beginning of your singing. Uh, and now you're a well-established soprano living in France. Correct. And it's been an interesting journey, I'm sure. It, it actually has been. I sometimes can't believe 20 years has transpired between, <laughs> between yeah. then and now. And everything that has transpired, it's, it's crazy. Time flies. And yes, I've been through a lot. <laughs> and, well, I'm interested to know, first of all, what took you to America? Because you went immediately to study. You didn't study here at all. You went to study in, where was it? In San Francisco. I went to San Francisco because my, my private singing teacher, um, Hanti Prenz, uh, I, I think I started studying with her when I was 16. I just took once a week a private voice lesson with her. And um, she told my parents, apparently, I had talent. And I wanted to be a chef. I wanted to go, you know, cook for a living. And I I had one bursary to go to to the Peter Faltzmann um, uh, culinary school in the Cape. And... Uh, she told my parents, no, I'm sorry, that's not possible. She's too important. She has too an important voice to go cook for a living. So um, I believe she said, uh, so I... She and she, she insisted that I study in the United States because she insisted that the training there was something of note and important and um, we accumulated application forms and I applied to four conservatories and the only conservatory that took me was the San Francisco Conservatory of Music and so I went and the rest is history. <laughs> well that's amazing because most people spend some years studying here first and then uh, go off overseas, but you sort of started with your foot in the land over there. Let's start with your first choice, which is by Rafe Vaughan Williams, Let Beauty Awake. Let Beauty Awake. That was a song by Rafe Vaughan Williams. Tom Meredith was the baritone and Keith Swallow, the pianist. The choice of Elsa van den Heerfer, who is my guest in People of Note. So you set off to San Francisco. Now, you're singing in some major opera houses. The Met? Where else? Oh, I sing at the Met. I, uh, the Vienna Staatsoper, um, the Bayerische Staatsoper, uh, Frankfurt Opera, um, San Francisco Opera, Dallas Opera. So these are all pretty big gigs. 
I would say I'd so. Say. <laughs> and it's been, I mean, it's a 20-year journey. Correct. From, uh, and what, what gave you your first big break? That had to be, well, my, it had to be um, my collaboration with the San Francisco Symphony. Um, I did, I, I did a obscure sort of contemporary work with um, Michael Tyson Thomas, and I think I made an impression. And he immediately rehired me to come and sing the second soprano in the Mahler's Eighth Symphony, and. I did it and it was wonderful. And then he rehired me for that to sing the recording and the European tour. So that was pretty important. Um, but what started my operatic career was my main stage debut at the San Francisco Opera in 2007 as Donna Anna and Don Giovanni. And the rest is just suit, yeah. followed on yeah. from there. And were you always interested? I mean, you know, I know you said you wanted to be a cook, uh, but were you always singing in choirs or playing recorder or what? How, how did your musical life begin? I was always singing since I think since childhood. Uh, we were always. I mean, I grew up in a very artistic household, right? So um, we were exposed to music from the day I could crawl, and um, I think we started Suzuki violin when we were three. And um, I started recorder uh, right after that. And I was singing in school choirs f from the minute I could. Um, and that was school here. Where did you go to school? To Los uh, 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 Lohalnois and then Linden. Um, well, they had a good choir. I don't know if they did then. They, they have a good choir reputation at Linden. Yeah, they had a, it was yeah. a good choir. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed it very much. Yeah. But what really... Um, interest me was the symphonic work with with you guys at um, that's ABC, yeah. right? Because my mom would drag me to the rehearsals, and I, yeah, perhaps I, say I should drag. just explain. Your mom is Rita Funden here, who was head of uh, UJ Arts or Rao Arts or whatever it was called in those days. So uh, she was certainly involved in the arts. Correct. Uh, and she sang in your choir, yes. the symphony choir. Yeah. So she would drag me. I say drag. That's She wouldn't drag me at all. I wanted to come. Um, she would drag me to the rehearsals. And, of course, I remember um, a huge uh, uh, rehearsals in the in the the old um, city hall, the old oh, city yeah. hall. And she would put me and my brothers up in one of the boxes um, and we would just sit there. I remember putting my head on the counter in one of those the one of the bays. Yeah, correct. Those beautiful wooden correct. teak or something they yeah, are. Yeah. yeah. And I would just sit there and I would just yeah. listen and I don't I don't know of another six year old who would be so <laughs> enthralled by listening to classical music yeah. and big orchestra choir things that it was wonderful. And you mentioned your, your brothers there because you're one of a triplets. Triplets. Yeah, correct. Yeah. And then we have a younger brother also. Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, three of you growing up together must have been quite interesting. You all played recorder, did you? Well, we all played recorder, violin. Yeah. My younger brother played cello. Yeah. And then my yes, brother graduated that. to the guitar. Because, in fact, my wife and I were talking about this the other day, that the three of you used to come along to uh, afternoon courses or day courses when we would have young people all playing uh, sort of church music together. They were they were fun events, and and you were certainly amongst those because we remembered you. And you must have been quite little then. 
yeah, yeah. I imagine. Yeah. I remember that. I remember that I couldn't read music, but I pretended I could. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's all behind you now. You can certainly read music. Now, you, your second choice of music is has a strange title, Love is Like a Cigarette. Can you just explain this? I was driving from uh, Tuscany to Bordeaux, and we were listening to the radio station. It's called um, Classic, uh, Radio, Radio Classic. And on came a person talking in English. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting, because we're driving from Italy to France. And it was Robert Carson, one of the most esteemed directors, um, operatic directors in the world. And he was sort of participating in a radio program sort of like this, right? And he played, uh, one of his selections was this song, Love is Like a Cigarette by Katie Lang. And I was, two things. First of all, this is the guy that I look up to with such respect. And at that point in time, I thought being a classical music um, being an operatic singer, I, I am only allowed to listen to operatic music and classical music. Like, I don't dare listen to something else. But here's Robert Carson, and all of a sudden, he's playing this song. It was the sexiest thing I had ever heard in my life. It is so sexy, number one. Number two, he is listening to something other than an opera. So he gave, sort of gave me license to listen to something other than opera. And so he he opened my eyes to this wonderful singer called Katie Lang, and her voice is just like chocolate. Katie Lang singing Love is Like a Cigarette, the choice of Elsa van den Heerfer, who's my guest in People of Note. Now, you said an interesting thing there, because uh, a lot of people get into a particular groove of music, and they like one sort of music or another, but you've just been here taking part in a concert which has a, a wide variety of music. African music, pop music, classical music, dance music, all sorts of things. So maybe this it has been an interesting experience for you too, being part of something rather different from what you normally do. Completely different from what I do. I can say it's one of the most exciting things I've been a part of. Honestly, I mean, I, I sing on the world's opera stages. I am surrounded by the top-notch musicians. This has been one of the most fun things, with such done with such intelligence and such passion. And to be surrounded by musicians and artists who are on stage wanting to be there, doing it because they love to do it, not because it's bringing home a paycheck. You know, it's it has been one of the most intoxicatingly wonderful things I've been a part of. So you've been glad to be home. So glad to be home. Well, you just come more often because home is a good place to With be. With pleasure. <laughs> now, Brideshead Revisited, the main theme from that is your next choice. Jeffrey Bergen is the writer, and here it comes. That was the main theme from Brideshead Revisited by Jeffrey Bergen, the choice of Elsa van den Heerfer. What is it like, Elsa? You talked about this very focused life that you're leading as a, as an opera singer, just doing opera. Just give us an idea of what it's like to be part of something as intense as that, because I'm sure once you start rehearsals, there's usually, what, a six-week rehearsal period or so? Yeah, for a new it, production. It's pretty intense. It can be. It can be. It depends, of course, the role you're singing. Um, uh 
it's it's taxing okay it it is uh, you you do you you rehearse six hours a day right you go from 10 to 1 to to, to 5 to, to 6 sometimes and um it's very intense you have to the thing is the preparation already takes its toll you have to show up on day one with an entire opera memorized sometimes you sing in a language you don't even speak which means you have to have the libretto translated word for word because you're also an actor so you have to be able to play the part not just sing the part um and it can be very emotional so sometimes it's it's like i i the the part overtakes me and I become kind of a monster at home because <laughs> I I spend my day being so intense and playing these parts that's usually you know you end up dead and you sing this very sad yeah, sad a lot music. of the time you end up dead <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, yeah it can be it takes a toll I mean P Peter Grimes is coming to head you know when you spend your days six weeks on end doing Peter Grimes, you know, you come at a pretty depressed human being at the end of the day. It's, it takes a toll. It's intense, but it's also so rewarding. And um, I love to portray characters. That's the thing that keeps me alive. I mean, I just love becoming somebody else on stage. So when you were in San Francisco, did you have good acting coaches and so on? Well, correct. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I did my I did my bachelor's of music, which is four years. And then I did two years as a master's degree. And in six years of school you know half of your time is spent learning learning craft, the basics the of of stagecraft so and there were good teachers there very good teachers yeah really influential teachers yeah. well connected well connected teachers that's important too because yeah. you really have to uh to have a foot in the door somewhere yeah correct yeah and of course, when you're in a big city like San Francisco, of course, there are many opportunities in a place like that. And I'm sure as a student, you already took part in a lot of productions. Correct. They do. Um, well, at the school, at the school, they did uh, one major operatic production a year. And I was usually always cast in that. And here comes something from home. This is Lorica Rauch. You see, I'm sure that makes you feel happy to be home listening to Lorica Rauch. Die Gang, that was called, or Die Gang, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> now, and, and I noticed you were, you were lost for a word earlier. I guess you don't speak much Afrikaans anymore. I don't, but I mean, that was ridiculous to be searching for an Afrikaans <laughs> word. It was because we we're conducting this thing in English, so... Um, and it, it was what was rather strange is that you you have a slight American twang to your voice, but as soon as you said, Hunty Prince, I knew you were from <laughs> South Africa. <laughs> I met somebody, somebody yesterday... And um, they said, oh, who are you? I said, Alza Vandenhever. And I said, oh, my God, I guess Alza Vandenhever. Because <laughs> in the States, I have to pronounce it different. Otherwise, nobody knows what I'm saying. Yeah, they don't it. yeah. there's so many things when you're in America. Like you have to ask for water. Because <laughs> if you ask for water, they don't know what you're talking about. Nope. Well, I'm sure it's great to be home. How many times have you been back? Have you sung in South Africa recently? I wouldn't call it recently. I think maybe Three or four years ago, I did a four last songs. Is that correct? No, I don't. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, four last songs in Cape Town. Um, and prior to that, I sang at Artlop. Uh, but you don't come back all that often. No. I mean, I, I try and come back to see my family, but not professionally. And is that something that we can uh, change and alter? Would you like to sing here more? If yes. the opportunity arose. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I'm sure it's always good to be home. Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah. Does it still feel like home? It does. Uh, what's nice is to sing. It. What's lovely is to return as a 
you know, 20 years later as the professional that everybody sort of predicted I would be, everybody else had this dream. Everybody else told me you are going to be blah, blah, blah. I never believed it. So to sit here 20 years later and it actually all came to pass is strange. And it's lovely to to sing for everybody that believed in me. And here comes the tears, really. It's, it's a gift to be able to give back. And you mentioned four last songs. Here is Beim Schlafen Gehen. That was one of the four last songs by Richard Strauss, Beim Schlafen Gehen. I'm Natrebko singing there with the Staatskapelle of Berlin under Daniel Barnboim. Do you have any favorite opera roles? Or is they, are they all favorites when you're doing them? That's the thing. If, if you, if I currently, my favorite role is Die Kaiserin Frauen und Schatten. I've yet to sing it. I sing it in 2020, but I'm studying it now because it's so incredibly difficult. But getting to know this character and getting to know this music, I every day I, <laughs> I, I wake up and I say, oh, my God, this is my new favorite role. <laughs> Uh, and it just it has to be that way. You have to fall in love with what you're doing at the moment. But um, I'm really falling in love with Strauss because honestly, my favorite role to date is uh, Chrysotomus in um, Elektra, which really opened my eyes to the world of Strauss. Besides the full last songs, but that's different. It's very lyric. Um, and of course, uh, Suor Angelica, which is on my list also, is one of my favorite roles. Um, I I li I like to sing people people with emotional turmoil. <laughs> um, are, are you quite emotional yourself? Uh, I would say so. <laughs> <laughs> and when you when you say you go home, say after a stressful day, uh, what do you like to do at home? Do you like to cook? Because you said you wanted to cook, and yeah. maybe you've got a pet or something. What I do, I have my little baby. She's a little chihuahua. I got her three years ago because I was officially fed up coming home to an empty apartment in the middle of New York, for instance, and it's cold and it's damp and you open the apartment and it's dark and you go in and you're pissed off because the conductor yelled at you and the, the director said something mean and everything is just so terrible. So I got the puppy. The puppy has changed my life. So what happens now? I come home. I'm all depressed because I spend my days in the basement of the Metropolitan Opera rehearsing. I didn't see the sunshine because um, there's no windows. And, um, you know, it, this life is hard. So I come home and I open the apartment and there is my little baby girl. And she's so happy to see me. So then I usually take her for a walk and then we come home. I make her dinner and then I put on my cheesy music in the background. I pour myself a glass of champagne normally and then I cook something wonderful. And then I usually watch something on television and then I go to bed. <laughs> and you still enjoy cooking. I love it. It's what I live for. So, so there, there is a sort of legacy from those days when you wanted to be Correct. A, a cook. Let's listen so. to Suor Angelica. This is Senza Mama. By, it's by Puccini. This is Pumeza Machikiza, one of your fellow South Africans. That was South African singer Pumeza Machikiza singing Senza Mama from Suor Angelica by Puccini with the Aarhus Symphony Orchestra under Tobias Ringborg. The choice of Elsa van den Hierfer, who's my guest in People of Note. Just let's go 
back to your cooking for a moment. Uh, what sort of cooking do you enjoy doing? I I like seasonal cooking. I I don't particularly follow recipes. What I like to do is I I like to research recipes, but I don't follow recipes. Then so you just get an idea. I get ideas, and then I will go see what's available in terms of seasonal produce, and I will pick things, and I will come home and I will invent. That's how I like to cook. Um, so it's not one particular cuisine, but I might be influenced. Like let's say, like tonight, I feel like having some sort of Japanese flavor. I will go and find ginger and scallions and some soy sauce and come home and whip up something. And where do you live that you can go out and find scallions and ginger? Well, where do I live? I usually live in strange apartments. <laughs> I <laughs> do mean, you, do you travel around a lot? That's correct. I, I, I would say about ten months out of the year, I am on the road in like three months at a time in a different apartment. So I spend very little time in my own house, in my own kitchen, my own bed. Um, but when I am home, I spend the majority of my time cooking for other people because that's what I enjoy most in this world. And home is where now? Home is a small little town outside of Montpellier in France called Saint-Jean-de-Védas. And I just recently moved there, like a month ago, actually. So you're barely settled in? I'm barely settled. And are there nice vegetable shops nearby. There's lots of vegetable <laughs> shops nearby. <laughs> well, these are important yeah. when, you, when you've when you moved to a new place. And obviously, you, you enjoy cooking with lots of fresh things, so it sounds fantastic. And coming up, you've got Lohengrin coming up. That, Weisen, oh, that's correct, yeah. Yeah, Weisendonk leader and Elektra. What's that over the next three or four months, six months maybe? Yes, that will take me, Electron Chicago will take me through to February of next year. Um, and after that, I go to the Met for Clemenza de Tito. And after that, I go to Berlin for Full Lost songs. Then I sing the the Mahler 8 somewhere, I don't remember. So you're tied up for some years. Oh, yes. the I'm usually booked a solid three or four years in advance. Um, How nice is that? Well, <laughs> in a way, it's nice. But it, it, it really sort of locks you into your schedule. That's true. Yeah. That's true. But I mean, as a freelance artist, it's nice to have that kind of security. It certainly yeah. is. Here comes something a little simple about perhaps your little babe that you were talking about. This is from The Ceremony of Carols by Benjamin Britten. That was music by Benjamin Britten from The Ceremony of Carols, This Little Babe, sung by the choir of Trinity College, Cambridge. And you were, did you hear that when you were... Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, with you guys at the at the SABC. Yes, we did it with the symphony choir one yeah, year. I yeah, do yeah. remember that. Yes, it was lasting impressions. I yeah. would say. Yeah, it's amazing how these impressions from your your distant youth have stuck with you. That's what shapes a person, right? I know your foundation. You see, if you have them up to the age of seven, then <laughs> that's all good after that. But obviously, you had a, a very influential teacher. I did. Uh, and just talk to me about the importance of a teacher for a singer, because my guess is that singing teachers are more than just singing teachers. So I think the singing teachers are sort of a combination of mother, psychiatrist, uh, singing teacher. Life coach. Life coach. All of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, um, uh. a, a good singing teacher becomes all of this, because the thing is, the voice is the person is the body the voice is part of you and when you are upset it reflects in the voice when you are happy it reflects in the voice it, it's all it's all 
combined into one tiny little muscle right here, right? Yeah. It's um, singing and singing well has got more to do with what goes on between your ears than it has to do. I mean, like your state your of mind, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Um, than it has to do with how well you're trained, for instance. Cause and you were lucky enough to click with your vocal coach from day one. Yeah, I mean, Hanty Prince, of course, yes. Yeah. And I had a couple of ups and downs um, in my, my, my studies, in my beginning studies, but then I found my, my, my who's, she's still my teacher, um, Sherry Greenewald. Um, uh, she switched me from mezzo to soprano. I was a mezzo-soprano. She switched me to soprano, and um, she just is one of my best friends, and I still study with her. I see her not that often, uh, which is not nice, but but she's still my teacher, and she's taught me a lot. But she's taught me more about self-confidence than she has about the actual voice. And, and just tell me, because when you said, uh, you know, you have to appear on your first day at a gig knowing the whole opera, how do you go about that process? Because that's quite a difficult process. It is. It's extremely time-consuming. And do you have someone who helps you with that? Do you have a vocal coach it, nearby? Again, it depends on where I am in the world. Um, now I've been now enough times back and forth to New York that I've got a, a, a couple of people that I work with there. Um, Frankfurt, the same, because I, I do the majority of my work in Frankfurt. Um, but if I find myself in a new place, you know, I have to ask around if I'm studying something new. or. But, you, I mean... There these are opera houses, around who do you, these you will yeah. find somebody. Yeah. yeah, Fantastic. Here's your choice. Now, this is uh, Wagner from Tannhäuser. Uh, Helga Dernisch and Victor Braun are the singers. And the Vienna Philharmonic is conducted by Sir George Schulte. That was music by Richard Wagner from Tannhäuser. Helga Dernisch and Victor Braun were the singers with the Vienna Philharmonic Orchestra under Sir George Schulte, the choice of Elsa von den Hierfer, who's my guest in People of Note. Elsa, what made you choose France to live in? It's where I fell in love. I I met my partner there, and and really the, his, the, the rest is history. It's actually a funny story. I was applying for um, a green card residency in the United States, in Mar and I had gone through the process of immigration lawyer, total content of my bank account to pay for said lawyer um, and the decision came down in March of 2008 and the decision was denied um, you mean to get a green card I got denied yeah. <laughs> why did I get denied because apparently I don't receive promotion that's exactly what it said I, I was still singing the same roles in the same operas thus I don't receive promotion so Anyway, I got denied, and I got this this letter of denial in March of 2008. During this time, I was singing, um, Idomene I was singing Electra and Idomeneo in Bordeaux, which is where I met my future partner. And it's just funny how the universe <laughs> closes one door and opens another. Um, um, yeah. So then you you decided to move to France permanently. Correct. Well. As permanently as your work allows. <laughs> exactly. Because if you spend 10 months of the year somewhere else, no. are you are you now a citizen of both South Africa and France? Correct. And that gets you pretty well anywhere you want to go in the world. It definitely helped in terms of my work in Europe because it's pretty complicated 
well, as you know. Getting visas to go back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> it's extremely, extremely complicated. Yeah. I've well, cried many a day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you have. Well, but now, certainly, I mean, you, you're moving around. Uh, for example, Lohengrin takes place where? In the Vienna Staatsoper. Wesendonk? In Lausanne in Switzerland. Elektra? Chicago, Illinois, United States. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, and it's quite a tough life. Do you find it lonely? Extremely, hence the puppy. She comes with me everywhere. Oh, um, you, can, you can travel. She's my yeah. companion. She's my companion dog. Um, she's my official emotional support animal, and she travels with me in the in the cabin. And she last year alone, she went to seven countries, and she comes with me everywhere. She keeps me sane. And you don't have quarantine things. Or That's anything. the reason she didn't come here. She's not allowed to come to South Africa or to England because of quarantine. Rabies. So, I, I have no Whatever idea, is, yeah. but I refuse to put her in quarantine because yeah. I would never do that to her. Yeah. She's my baby. <laughs> um, so she's stayed at home. Somebody is taking care yeah. of her. Yeah. Fantastic. You're listening to People of Note on Classic 1027. I'm Richard Koch, and my guest tonight is Elsa van den Heerfer, international singing star from right here in Johannesburg and went to Low Heldenhuis and Linden High School and is now on the stages of the world. It's just about seven o'clock. We'll be back after this. Janine Janssen playing part of the violin concerto by Beethoven, the German chamber orchestra of Bremen under Paavo Jervi. You're listening to People of Note on Classic 1027 and my guest tonight is Elsa van den Heerfer, who is an acclaimed soprano. And she's got a renowned stage presence. If I just read the beginning of her CV, a renowned stage presence. And she sings at celebrated international venues. She loves the beloved role of Leonora. And that's in Il Travatore. That's Opera Frankfurt. German Requiem. Now, that's interesting because that you must have heard when your mum was singing in the choir. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So all these pieces... Well, certainly the oratorio. Do you enjoy oratorio work? I would say that's where my love affair with concert work started, oratorio yeah. and... And do you do quite a lot of that? Not enough. I would like to do more. Um, yeah. Okay. And funnily enough, you've sung the War Requiem. You told uh, me off air. Yeah. And uh, that will be happening here in October. Not with you, sadly. Unfortunately. But, um, but it's certainly happening here. And uh, October the 16th is the date... Dear listeners, October the 16th, the War Requiem here in Johannesburg, and then on the 19th in Cape Town. All of that with the Dresden uh, Zing Academy and the Saxony Youth Orchestra, and you can book for those at CompuTicket or Quicket in Cape Town. But, the, uh, of course, the nice thing about oratorio is that it's sort of over more quickly also. I mean, I don't know if that's a nice thing or not a nice thing, but... I've, in a way, it's not got that intensity leading up to it. It's a shorter, sharper thing. It may be shorter, but it is just as sharp. No, right? And just as intense. Just as That's intense. That's for sure. Um, I Some of my most favorite memories are singing concert work. The Verdi Requiem, for instance. Um, the Mahler Eighth Symphony. Uh, I, I thrive on this music. When, when there is nothing more exciting to me than standing in front of the orchestra next to the conductor 
singing with a chorus this 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 makes my blood boil with excitement yeah yeah no it is it's a it's still a very exciting thing and i still get excited by what we're doing on the concert stage and yeah. you know all the the different things that that we do i've never done much opera but i do know that i get a thrill from conducting opera arias and so mm -hmm. on as i've been doing with you at starlight classics i did a couple of weekends ago I was conducting a, a vocal competition, and we've got some amazing singers from South Africa. Do you come across them in your travels? Yes, it's incredible. I've, I was just talking with somebody yesterday. I feel like internationally there's a boom of South African singers all of a sudden. You turn left or right, and there's a South African. I think a South African just made it to the finals of the Operalia um, Placido Domingo competition. Uh, it's incredible. It's incredible. It really is incredible. And here's someone who sang at one of the early UNISA competitions, Renee Fleming. Uh, she's singing The Last Rose of Summer by Flotto. That was Renee Fleming singing The Last Rose of Summer from Marta by Friedrich von Flotto. She was accompanied by the English Chamber Orchestra under Geoffrey Tate. And I'm sure, Elsa, you've come across, I mean, you mentioned earlier Michael Tilson Thomas, for example. Give us some other names of people that you've worked with, conductors, great conductors or singers that you've worked with recently that we might recognize. Well, I have a very wonderful working relationship with Simone Young. She's Australian um, conductor. She. I said she. She's amazing. <laughs> well, um, we must talk about this. Yeah. Okay, in a moment. In a moment. Go on, give us some more names. Simone Young. Um, we have a wonderful working relationship. I'm just, she's going to conduct Lohengrin at the Staatsoper, actually. Um, every time I work with Stuart Skelton, I just want to kiss him to death because he's such a phenomenal partner. Uh, I did Peter Grimes with him a couple of times. Um, I just worked with somebody wonderful, Christine Gerke. Uh, she was my Electra. I was her chrysotomist at the Met. Um, Andrea Carré, every time I work with him, we just, we just sort of feed off of each other. It's wonderful when you encounter these people that make you a better artist, you know. Tell me about women conductors. Women conductors. There has been a revelation in the world of women conductors. It's, it's incredible. I used to only work with male conductors. Now I see... Women conductors are getting um, permanent um, positions in opera houses. Uh, I work with Simone Young that I said. I think she was the first female conductor to conduct the Vienna Phil. If I'm not wrong, I think that's correct. Because it has been a male preserve correct. for a long time. A very long time. And there is a boom in South African op opera singers and female conductors. It's really, it's, yeah. it's extraordinary. So... Do you find, because we still don't often see them here, yeah. but, you know, we've been at Starlight Classics, for example. We were encouraging a young South African female conductor, Unati Malunga, uh, who's been my guest on People of Note also, uh, just to to give people an opportunity to experience also having a woman in charge. Yeah. What, what is it, do you think, that people resisted for so long? I have no idea. You know, I think, honestly, um, I can only speak for the operatic world. It's really still a boys' club, honestly. it's. I mean, it is. It's The, the majority of houses are run by men. Um, most most directors I work with are men. Most conductors I work with are men. Um, so it's refreshing when you see a woman. And it's kind of daunting because 
these women are so strong. You know, they stand on that podium. They can, I mean, Karen Kamensek is one of the shortest little people I've ever seen in my life. But when she stands on that podium, she's larger than life. And it's exciting, you know, to have a sort of a female touch. You know, it's different from a male. It's, it's exciting. It's wonderful. That was a piece called Gracias a la Vida by Cote de Pablo and a rather gentle song uh, amongst all the, the opera that we've had and, and a big violin concerto as well. Do you ever sing non-operatic, uh, apart from oratorio, do you ever sing anything else? Or has this, for example, Starlight, has that been a new experience? Completely. Completely. I'm not used to this at all. I really, the majority of, not the majority, I would say 99% of what I do is singing operatic music or uh, concert work. Um, no, when I sing other things, it's when I am driving and I put Barbara Streisand as loud as I can in the car or Lorica Rauch and I just sing along with them and pretend that that's what I do for a living and it's wonderful I love it Do you miss home? So when I say home, South Africa I do miss it, of course my my family lives here I I, I was just speaking to my mom about the, the colour of the light the colour of the soil every time I land when the when the plane lands its feet on the tarmac I start to sob because there's just this, it feels different, it looks different. The color of the sky is different. Yeah. I can't explain it. The trees, the the sound of the birds. Oh, my gosh. The hoodie does. Oh. The ducks in the morning. Quack, 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 quack. Yeah. It's, this just, it's just home. It just is. Well, here's some birds singing too. Cucurucucu paloma. Ketana veloso. Vocals and guitar singing Kukurukuku Paloma. That must be a dove. And that's a very typical South African sound, too. Kukurukuku. Yeah, absolutely. Is that South yeah. African? Maybe that's what dove. I'm attracted yeah. to the song, maybe. Yeah. And maybe that's what I was asking. Do you, do you ever sing in public songs like this? No, no never. I don't. I wish I could. Yeah. Well, maybe Starlight Classics has given me a new <laughs> oomph, a new boost to yeah. do something. But here comes something which, which obviously you are, are very partial to, Benjamin Britten's music. Four interludes, four C interludes from Peter Grimes. This is Dawn, played by the Cincinnati Symphony Orchestra under Pavo Yervi. That was one of the four C interludes from Peter Grimes by Benjamin Britten. What, uh, you say that it's a pretty draining opera to be part of. And yet it's fantastic music. What is it that draws you to it? You know, the thing with Britain is I feel like when I listen to Britain, it's it's on par with staring at a painting because he can elicit, he can, he, he makes textures through music and it's almost like you can hear, you can see the washing of the wave just by listening to his music. I can't explain it. Britain for me touches a part of my heart that no other composer does because he just elicits an emotion, but it's a textural emotion. It's it's almost visceral. And Peter Grimes in particular, I, I would say, I think it's one of my Desert, fi Desert Island Five operas. Um, it's I mean, it's obviously devastating, but it's because of the music and the orchestra. I mean, the sounds, the orchestration, It it's haunting. It's 
haunting. Well, he lived close to the sea, Correct. of course, in Alderborough. And in fact, if I think one of the pieces you may have heard when you were young was St. Nicholas, which has a great sea scene Correct. in it too, yeah. uh, about the storm rising and and the ship being wrecked. It's a, it's a wonderful scene in that. And in fact, I was just... Uh, thinking as you were talking about the fact that we're just doing the war requiem and actually his music is so carefully written it's actually extremely clear what he wants absolutely you don't there's no doubt yeah. about what he wants yeah. in the music and there no i don't have to ask many questions because it's all there it's in the, in the music yeah. Yeah. yeah it's amazingly put together and very intellectual absolutely on one it's so side methodical yeah. it's not just yeah. It, but but what's so extraordinary is that it is so methodical and yet it elicits such emotion. emotion. Yeah. Now, here's something rather different. This is the Ashokan Farewell. And let's just listen to it and then we can talk about it. The Ashokan Farewell. Jay Unger and Molly Mason performing there with the Nashville Chamber Orchestra. When... You do listen to music to relax also. Oh, absolutely. I listen to almost... I when I'm home I don't listen to opera at all. I listen predominantly to everything else that's on this list that's yeah. sort of alternative. <laughs> so music is very much uh, your entire life. Absolutely, it's your work, your yeah. hobby, yeah. your love. It's apart from your dog <laughs> and your partner uh, and your new house and my new house. Um, no, music is an integral part. This is the first thing when I wake up in the morning. I I play music. When I go to bed at night, I listen to music. When I'm cooking, I listen to music. Of course, when I'm studying, I'm listening to music. <laughs> and when I'm singing, I'm performing music. It's uh, it's an absolute intricate part of my existence. I couldn't function without it. I couldn't imagine it. Yeah. And yet, your life almost went in another direction. But it would still have included music. <laughs> Yeah, but it's interesting how these things, and I, I'm a great believer in these serendipitous moments where something happens and you're, you take the left fork instead of the right fork yeah. and it leads you to a whole different world. It's true. I mean, honestly, people ask me, what, what made you want to become an opera singer? It wasn't me. It wasn't my dream. And it wasn't me that steered me in that direction. It wasn't I didn't dream of it and said since childhood, I'm yeah. going to become a singer. It really was the dreams of everybody around me. And if you had told me 20 years ago, I would be an international opera person, I would not have believed you. And yet here I am. But it has afforded me the luxury of being able to cook the way I want to cook, you know. Um, so I get to live both dreams. So, yeah, you have. You've certainly satisfied all parts of your desires that you wanted when you were young. And now here's a one of my favorite pieces actually from Appalachian Spring and you've arrived just at a beautiful time here in South Africa too with spring and the beautiful gardens where we were singing for Starlight Classics. Yeah. They are just spectacular, spectacular. gardens at yeah. the country club and I'm sure some of this greenery would appear in Appalachia. The beautiful final section from Appalachian Spring by Aaron Copeland. That was the Ulster Orchestra under Thierry Fisher. The choice of Elsa van den Heerfer, who's my guest in People of Note. Have you got a role that you particularly want to do that's burning inside you and saying, this is what I want to do in the next five, ten years? Honestly, no. I have absolutely sung everything I want to sing. The things that's coming now into play are 
things that wasn't on my horizon, things I didn't think about. Um, what I'm most excited at, at the moment for is to sing, to sing Kaiserin in Frauen Schatten bei Strauss because I'm studying it right now and I'm so excited about it. I almost want to forward my life yeah, to two to years from now. now. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How far away is that? It's It will be in 2020. Um, I don't remember the yeah. dates. But so, but you've already started the process. Yes, because it's yeah. so so difficult. Yeah. yeah. Actually, it is amazing that you know you're preparing for something two years away. Uh, most people just think about tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> but I know that in this, and I know from uh, young South Africans who are abroad, you appear at your first rehearsal fully prepared. Fully prepared. Otherwise, you don't get another gig. Exactly. Uh, and it's a it's a hard lesson that it's an extremely disciplined life, yeah. and the sooner you realize that, the better yeah. you off. Because and I think a lot of music actually is about learning a way of life. It's about discipline, yeah. about you know organizing yourself, knowing what's coming yeah. up, being prepared. It's yeah. it's all of those things, yeah. Yeah. and it's it's fun. It's I mean, rewarding. Yeah, I find it. It is rewarding yeah. when you know where you're going and what you're doing. Well, it's been a fantastic pleasure having you on the program, and I hope it's not too long before you come back to South Africa again to sing something else. I, mean, I know there's not a lot of opera around here now, but, uh, and, you know, we probably, to be honest, we probably can't afford the sort of fees you're earning, but if you enjoy coming home, then you'll come home anyway to exactly. do something here, which is wonderful. So thank you very much for coming into the thank studio. You, it's been great to have you here. And listeners, uh, it's always a pleasure to have your company when we're uh, doing people of note because I know many of you write to me about what's going on and you can write to me. My email address is my name, rcock at iafrica.com, rcock at iafrica.com. And Our Clory is the final song. It's by Rinaldo Hahn. Pumeza Machikiza singing with the Aarhus Symphony Orchestra under Tobias Ringborg. That was the beautiful song, A Clori, by Reynaldo Hahn, Pumeza Machikiza, South African singer with the Aarhus Symphony Orchestra under Tobias Ringborg. And that was the final choice of Elsa van den Heerfe, who's been my guest in People of Note. And just a reminder, because we talk quite a lot about Benjamin Britten and his amazing music, coming up on October the 16th is the War Requiem. That's with the Symphony Choir of Joburg, uh, the Philharmonia Choir of Cape Town, the Dresden Zing Academy, children's choirs from St. John's College and from Dresden, the Saxony Youth Orchestra. It's all happening at the Linda Auditorium, which is going to be packed. I'm telling you, we've got 250 singers, uh, 77 or something in the orchestra, a chamber orchestra, three soloists. It's all happening on October the 16th, the War Requiem by Benjamin Britten. It's going to be a once-in-a-lifetime experience, so don't miss it, and we look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening tonight, and until next time, from all of us here at Classic 1027, we wish you a very good night.